listening and hearing the other person first is sort of like our admission ticket before we're able to enter into their heart to really share what we have that's important to us. And so when we first hear them, then it actually sends a signal to their brain that, oh, you're actually with me in it. And when you're with me in it, I can see you as an ally rather than an adversary. Today, I'm talking nerdy about how to improve your communication skills with Christine Earthheart. In this conversation, we're diving into what some of the most common communication breakdowns are, where dysfunctional communication patterns come from, and how to communicate more effectively in ways that will help you feel deeply heard and understood. In this episode, Christine gives some really practical, research-based action steps that you can take to enhance your communication with anyone in your life, whether that's a partner, a family member, a friend, or a coworker. Christine Earthheart is co-founder of the Center for Thriving Relationships alongside her husband, Brett. The Center for Thriving Relationships helps couples create the kind of love they've always wanted through couples retreats, online courses, and private sessions. They also train and certify others in their Thriving Relationship Coach certification program. Christine is the host of the Thriving Relationship Show. She's also a TEDx speaker and has been featured in Psychology Today, Happify, Thrive Global, NBC, ABC, and CBS. Before you dive in, I would love if you could hit pause and leave us a five-star review and a written review on whatever platform you're listening on. In doing so, you help get this podcast into the ears and brains of more listeners like you. Now let's dive in and start talking nerdy. So welcome to Talk Nerdy to Me, Christine Earthheart. I'm so excited to be talking to you today about talking, essentially, and one of the most important parts of maintaining and sustaining and creating our interpersonal connections, whether those are romantic relationships, family relationships, friendships, communication is a key component of maintaining health in all of those different arenas. And I know from personal experience, having worked with one of the coaches within your center, that communication and being able to strengthen these skills is a really imperative part of maintaining relationships and, in my case, ending a relationship and doing that gracefully and in a way that was super compassionate. So thank you so much for being willing to come on here and talk nerdy to me about communication. Hmm. It is such an honor and joy to be with you, Alex. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. So I guess a good place to begin would be if you could just share with me and listeners a little bit more about how you got started in this field of relationships and relationship coaching and healing, both your personal journey and your professional one. Yeah, I'm so happy to share. So I am currently married to my husband, Brett. We've been together over 20 years now. And before we got together, we both have been doing lots of personal and spiritual growth. And we're on these wonderful journeys. And when we entered into partnership, the beginning of our journey was this sparkly start. We gave each other our very best qualities. We saw each other's best. It just felt ease-filled. I felt home in a way that I never had before. And then fast forward a few years and we own a home together and we're co-parenting our young son. So my stepson, our bonus son, we're realizing that we have differences in how we manage finances, how we parent, how clean we like the house, we feel attracted to other people. Like all of these 
real life nitty gritty things, parts of relationships. And when that happened, you know, I entering into a relationship, my nickname growing up was Tootalooer because I just sort of like went with the flow. That's what my parents called me. Well, suddenly I'm in this romantic relationship. I thought I would never be someone that got into an argument about the dishes. And there I was, you know, with Brett and we were really stuck in our communication patterns that weren't and so we had many wonderful moments, but also really challenging ones. And we would enter into these conversations around things that were deeply important to both of us. And rather than at the end of the conversation feeling like, oh, we resolved it. We feel so much better. We would just feel even more stuck and wondering if our differences were just too great, if we were really incompatible. And so moments that just like wasn't bringing out our best. And on a night I'll never forget, we were sitting on our couch and we turned to face each other and we're like, no, this isn't this isn't what we thought it was going to be. Both of us kind of felt like you weren't the person that you were when we first fell in love. It just wasn't bringing out our best anymore. And so we realized that we had three options that we could keep doing things how we had been doing them. And we realized that we probably, you know, fast forward five years, we might be in a very similar place or we could end our relationship. And we very seriously considered that um, and just wishing each other well and realized like, okay, let's move on to someone that would be a better match for us. Or we thought maybe there's more that's possible here and we just haven't learned the roadmap to relationships because we both had been doing lots of individual healing and transformational work and I was totally enamored with the human capacity for change on an individual level. And so we thought just maybe that's the case in this relationship because there wasn't an absence of love or care for one another. We just were getting stuck in these patterns that really weren't working. We didn't see a way out. And so that night we ordered this tall stack of books. And at the time it was DVD courses and CD courses. And we devoted every Friday night. We called it conscious date night. And we were committed every Friday night. We're going to learn some new tool and apply it to our relationship just to see, like, is there more possible that we haven't tapped into yet? And our relationship completely and utterly transformed. We started attending couples retreats around the country. And uh, once we were learning this skill set, we felt like we suddenly, like the lights had come on. And we understood each other in a whole new way and what was going on underneath the surface and what each other really needed. And we found entirely new ways to communicate about our needs and to really hear each other. And so we felt like we couldn't not share it. It felt like a responsibility. And so many of us have those things. We, we discover something, right, that is so deeply meaningful, so healing, so helpful that we have to share it with the world. And so we both had been doing kind of counseling, coaching work with others, with individuals. And we decided once our relationship was really in this incredible place that so we started inviting partners to come into the sessions. And we realized, oh my goodness, it's in the context of relationships that everything comes to the surface. Like there's no place for anything to hide. Any part of us that needs healing, any unconscious patterns suddenly become conscious patterns, any old fears or old wounds, whatever it might be, all comes to the surface, which can either do a lot of harming and be really painful or can be an incredible opportunity for healing and growth and awakening. And so we just fell in love with working with couples because we found that it really accelerated people's own growth trajectory. And then we opened the Center for Thriving Relationships. And now we still love supporting individuals, but couples have really become our great passion. So that's that's a little bit of, of how it came to be. And I'm just so deeply honored and so grateful and Never, ever imagined that our relationship could be what it is today. It's truly the marriage of our utter dreams. And it's because we're always nurturing it. We're always tending to it. And when we look back on that moment of what we almost 
but we almost decided to give up. And I don't mean give up because sometimes we graduate, you know, relationships are no longer aligned for us. So it doesn't mean that anybody failed or gave up. I think for us, it would have been that we really, what we missed out on if we had unknowingly just kind of took that moment in time and thought it reflected the totality of who we could be. We just had no idea what we'd be missing out on. And so I'm so grateful we took the leap and and that we have such a privilege of supporting others now. I'm so grateful you took the leap as well, in part because I was able to benefit from everything that the two of you created through the work that you did together. And what I can also share from personal experience is that, you know, my spiritual lineage is in Tantra. And I know that Tantra has a very taboo reputation these days as kind of these fringe sexual practices. But when we look at Tantra as a lineage, it really is the householder spiritual practice. So, you know, if you couldn't be a monk up in the Himalayas, you were a tantrika. You were bringing God or spirit or source or devotion into every aspect of your lives. And what they say is that there is nothing more triggering as our romantic and sexual partners. And because of that, there is nothing that provides us with the biggest vehicle for growth and transformation as our sexual and romantic partners do. And I really have found that to be the case in my own life and in so many of my students and clients as well. Like interpersonal relationships are really where we have the biggest catalyst to move ourselves forward when we find that in our individual journey, we're kind of meeting a wall or aren't able to do as much on our own. So thank you so much for sharing that. I want to backtrack to something that you mentioned around you and Brett trying to have these conversations over and over again and it not necessarily working or getting to a place where you felt worse or even more stuck after trying to have them than when you originally started. And I'm curious if you can identify for me and listeners why that sometimes happens in romantic relationships. Like why do we get stuck in communication patterns that are not useful or not helpful? What is happening there? Mm, yeah, such a wonderful question. And I, I love that your background is in Tantra. It's a beautiful cat. Uh, so yes, communication, you know, when people reach out to our center for support and we have them fill out a client intake form, hands down, the number one reason people say they're reaching out for support is that they're looking for ways to communicate better. So rest assured, if you're out there and you're in a relationship and struggling to communicate, you are totally normal. And this happens for so many reasons. Um, part is, when we're in a romantic relationship, this other person impacts us more than, oftentimes more than anyone else. So what our partner says or doesn't say, what they do or don't do, has has so much impact on whether or not our own needs get met. So for example, if your friend was to say, you know, I'm just going to sell everything and move to India. As their friend, you might be cheering them on like, that's such a cool idea. Do it. Go for your dreams. But if your partner comes home and they're like, you know... I was just thinking we should just sell everything and take off and go to India. I'm going to go off for six months. You know, all of a sudden, all of our fears arise because it's a threat to our own needs getting met. It might be a threat to our need for connection, for security, for certainty, um, so many things. And so when our own needs feel threatened, as you know about the brain, right, we go so much more into survival and we tend to revert to fight, flight, freeze, faint, whatever our response is in those moments. Whereas when we're with a friend or someone who has less impact, we're able to really stay in a centered place. We're able to be much more calm, much more empathetic, see the big picture. And so already just to kind of create context around the state that we're 
more readily in, especially when something is more emotionally charged. So when we're in that state, so we can see it as more dysregulated state or in moments of amygdala hijack, whatever, however we want to see it, certainly a different brain state. We're running different circuitry. In those moments, it's really easy for a conversation rather than it to be this beautiful, healthy dialogue where I share, you're like receiving that, taking that in, and then I share and you're taking that in and receiving me. It becomes two monologues. And in those two monologues, we tend to be in our own heads. We're maybe thinking about what we're going to say next. We're thinking about how you're wrong and I'm right. We're analyzing our partner. Maybe we're scanning what they're saying for what we did wrong. That's been one for me. So we have these different listening filters, looking for what we want to criticize about them, um, all the different ways that we get in our own heads and we get in our own story rather than actually being present to what the other person is saying. And so in these two monologues, when we don't feel heard, you know, it's easy to turn up the volume. So then we're using more words. We're uh, using louder tone. We're being more dramatic with what we're saying, just wanting so much to be heard, or we begin to, you know, shut down or we withdraw. And all of these are just really born out of this deep hunger to feel, to feel heard. And when we don't, you know, we revert to these different strategies. And then what happens is we argue about the argument itself. An argue could be a small argument or a much larger one. And so if you just think of the last time you had you know, an argument or conflict with your partner, did you ever even get that much to talk about the thing itself? Or was it like, you're not listening to me. Oh, you're going to do this again. There you go blaming me. And then we get defensive. And so we use all these different strategies. And so often it's because we feel disconnected and we feel unheard, misunderstood, unappreciated. Uh, that's where a lot of these unhealthy relationship patterns are born out of. So the beautiful, amazing seemingly miraculous thing is that when we can learn to communicate and actually hear each other, oh my goodness, the issues can resolve like at exponential speed. We've had you know, many clients over the years that they've had this challenging situation, a conversation that they know like, okay, we're not even going to go there because when we go into that, it's just going to become this big thing. And it's like, oh my gosh, in one hour, they are able to say, I've never heard you talk about it like that before. I feel like you finally heard me and understood me for the first time. And then they can move so much more quickly through and actually be teammates. So um, I'll pause there for a moment. There's obviously so much I could say. I love communication because it, it changes everything because we all make so much sense. And I think when we can deeply hear each other and get out of our own heads and drop into each other's hearts, it's like, oh, you make so much sense. Nobody's wrong here. There's space for all of our feelings here. And now we get to get curious and collaborative together to come up with something that really honors everyone. So I want to make sure I'm reflecting back to you accurately what I heard you say, which is that the first step to starting to kind of disentangle ourselves from those unhelpful patterns is truly listening to the other person. And what I can already hear from... <laughs> listeners and from people that I know in my own personal life, friends and family members is, but then what about my point? Like, how will I ever get my point across if I'm focused and present to what is happening with the other person? And I know that that's a habit that a lot of us get into. And, and as you mentioned, there's a threat to a need not being met. And it feels like the only way that we're able to get that need met is by going on the defense and and pushing or advocating for ourselves even more in those situations. 
So I'm curious what you would have to say to that if someone was like, but then how will I ever be heard if I'm just so focused on listening to the other person? Oh, thank you so much for bringing that. That is like such an important piece of this. And so rest assured, your heart, your feelings, they are so precious and so important. And they're so important that what we're doing is just setting you up for success and increasing the likelihood that your partner is going to hear you or your friend or colleague, whoever it might be. Um, so yes, the solution isn't just listening, it's listening and. And how I love to see it is that like listening and hearing the other person first is sort of like our admission ticket before we're able to enter into their heart to really share what we have that's important to us. So it's just we're leading with that. And for me, I find that it's invaluable, not only well, for them. So when we lead with first hearing someone, so say someone has shared something with you, your tendency when we've all been there is like, yeah, but we want to defend ourselves. We want them to see us and see that our feelings, our thoughts, whatever it might be. So when we jump into that, though, they're just going to get defensive. Their walls are going to go up too. They're not actually going to even receive the preciousness of what we have to share. And so when we first hear them, then it actually sends a signal to their brain that, oh, you're actually with me in it. And when you're with me in it, I can see you as an ally rather than an adversary. Because if you're not taking a moment to really witness me and hear me, I'm just seeing you as an adversary. So I'm going to go more into the defense, more into fight, whatever it might be. Um, and so if I can feel like, oh, wow, you really hurt me. You know, when we feel that somebody is having empathy for us, I feel like they're with us in it. That's like a bit of co-regulation. And so rather than feel, whenever we feel alone in something, you know, it's going to be so much more dysregulating. Whereas when we feel like somebody's with us in our struggle, in our pain, in our frustration, whatever it might be, ah, everything feels easier. And so I can't count the number of times that actually somebody has heard somebody and then they're like, oh, I, I don't know. It's not even really an issue <laughs> just because like their partner heard them. So so for them, they're going to be the person who is being heard by you. They will be so much more relaxed, so much more available to actually hear you. Um, so it just is effective. It's just so much more effective. And so our brains in that moment are going to think like so much more efficient just for me to jump in and tell you, no, that's not right. This is what happened. Um, but really, it's going to get you so much further, so much more quickly. And then for for us, I think as we're doing the listening, what I found in my own living laboratory relationship is that when I actually can get out of my head and really drop into Brett's world and understand what it was really like for him, I'm like, oh, well, that does make sense. Like I feel so much calmer and more relaxed. And I what I have to share is not so filled with like my story. It's actually a response that's so much more accurate. Like I'm much more in reality rather than just my you know, assumptions or projections, whatever I am putting into it. And so I think it's really helpful too that we can stay in our hearts. And then when we when we share, it comes from a more sincere place. It doesn't require repair afterwards. So um, so it's just kind of listening first and then you getting to share your own heart and inviting your partner to then really hear you. And sometimes it can feel like, oh, that's laborious. Like we're going to take all this time to like hear each other. But I promise, I pinky promise, which is the ultimate promise. Uh, that it's going to work so much more, so much more effectively and efficiently. That makes so much sense. And what I wanted to ask you about is we have a need to feel seen and understood. And I'm curious how much of that 
I don't know if you could give us a percentage, but how much of that is the real root issue as opposed to what a couple is coming in presenting with or arguing about? Like how much of it is this thing that they're like, this is the issue and how much of it is the just not feeling seen and understood? I think that that is so, so huge. We have an expression that we use, wonder and look under. And so rather than just focusing on what's on the surface, which could be, you know, your partner didn't do the dishes or they're coming home late from work or you're craving more quality time with them or they're texting somebody else or whatever it might be, that if we just are stuck there, we're like missing out on where so much more of the deeper gold really is. And it is so many of these universal longings that we want to know that we matter, that you're someone I can count on, that you have my back, that you hear me, that you see me, that you get me. And it's so beautiful so that if we can get to like the heart of what's really there, there's such sameness too. Like that makes sense. Whereas if we're just arguing or in conflict about what's on the surface, we get in our heads. We were scanning for accuracy and things like that rather than or philosophizing what's the appropriate way to be like, no, you should do the dishes this way or, you know, lots of shoulds. Whereas if we can get to, you know, what we're really all longing for, um, we can really get to the heart of it. So yes, yes, yes. I think connection, you know, attachment theory would really suggest that in those moments we feel disconnected. That would be like a really simplified way to see it. I think that's really beautiful is, you know, underneath all of it, some part of us feels disconnected, which makes sense when we feel misunderstood or unappreciated. We don't feel seen or heard. We feel, we feel a sense of disconnect. Someone's not present with like who we really are. That makes so much sense. And it also makes me wonder where a lot of our communication patterns come from. Do a lot of them come from early childhood experiences, the things that we're witnessing in our parents or our primary caretakers when we're children? Like, Where are we learning dysfunctional patterns of communicating with each other? Yes, I think so much of what was either how we were communicated with, um, how we witnessed others communicate, even the media or friends, you know, uh, we are mirroring one another all the time. And unfortunately, it's rare that we would be witnessing somebody else when they're moving through some of the more emotionally delicate charged issues in life with a whole lot of heart and pausing to hear each other and validate each other and offer empathy and appreciation and if we saw that, you know, we'd be so much more likely to have that be our default and what we're mirroring in our own lives. And so, yeah, I think we pick it up all over the place. There's no shortage of witnessing you know, those things. And especially like drama is so compelling, right? We get a shot of adrenaline. And so there's a reason why drama is what we see so often, you know, in the media because there's tension there. Like it would be probably less riveting if you're watching a movie or a TV show if they just left it like, ah. Oh, I feel so seen. I feel so heard. Oh, you know, I mean, I would love it. And there's usually like a little bit in there, a little bit of drama thrown in there. And so it's so easy, you know, and so it's so innocent how we fall into these patterns. And we all, we all do it. Yeah, absolutely. I'm thinking about, I don't watch TV that often, like rarely ever. When I do, it's always the trashiest reality TV shows. Love Island, Love Island, Australia in particular is my favorite. And I'll just be on the couch with like a bag of popcorn. <laughs> like, oh, man, I really wish I could coach all of these people on relationships and communication skills. And it's so compelling. It's so compelling to watch. And it makes so much sense that, yeah, we learn these things through observation. And it's interesting that 
will continue to participate in them even when they don't work, even when they don't bring us to an outcome that is ultimately what we want and ultimately favorable. A lot of times, I think the dysfunctional patterns that we participate in usually end up sabotaging our ability to get what we want anyway. We just don't know another pattern or, or way of being. So you mentioned that listening is really going to be step one, and that kind of initiates this admission ticket into being seen and understood from there. Is there anything else that you can give us in the realm of moving forward into advocating for ourselves that might be helpful for listeners once we do have the admission ticket and we're starting to actually listen to our partners as well? Yeah, absolutely. So one acronym that we love to use that to kind of lead with when you're beginning to share your heart. So is we use the acronym BASE. It's like creating this solid base or foundation to really set the conversation up for success. And again, for them to really recognize like, oh, you're my ally. And so this is connected to listening, but there might actually be a time where you just want to initiate a conversation with your partner. Like something isn't working for you, which is so important to bring those things up because they don't go away. You know, if we just kind of like ignore those things, there's just going to come out sideways in some way in the relationship. But the base is to lead with acknowledging our partner's good intentions. So the B is for best intentions. So oftentimes there are many reasons why our partner might do something. So um, for example, if our, you know, what we want to bring up is that we just feel like our partner is um, distracted a lot. Uh, maybe they're coming home late from work and then they come home and they're on their phone a lot and we want to bring that up because we have this deep longing for more connection, more quality time with them. And so if we just came in like, you're always on your phone, like making them kind of wrong, then they might shut down. They might want to be on their phone even more. We're kind of training them. Like we want them to come closer. We're actually training them to move even further away because when they come close to us, they're just going to get criticized. Um, and again, such a valid need here, but we want to set you up for success. If you lead with best intentions, like I'm sure you're just feeling so much stress. I know there's been so much on your mind at work and probably you probably don't feel like you have much extra energy, you know, when we're together. And I know there's so many projects at work and you're really trying to like show up and do a good job. Uh, I know you have all your friends that you want to be getting back to. So whatever it might be, whatever they're kind of responding to or engaging with, like see them for the good intentions there, which is not to overlook the other pieces of it. It's just allowing them to also, we don't, we don't want to deny those things because those are also very real. And the A is appreciation, which might be even like, I so appreciate that you're with me right now. And I'm so grateful for the moments we do share and how you come home to me every night and we snuggle in bed together and whatever it might be. So you're looking, you're kind of zooming out from just the one area that isn't working to also recognize all these things. So we're kind of preloading it so that all of their yeah buts, like, yeah, but I also do all these other things. Don't you see me for that? We're just being proactive with like leading with that. So Again, B is best intentions, A is appreciation, S is strengths. So it's like looking around for like what part of this. So maybe they're highly distractible where they're, you know, they have so many things going on. Maybe their strength is that they get really passionate about things and they really care deeply about doing a good job, for example. And then the E would be some empathy, you know, and I'm sure it's probably hard for you. Like I know that I have these requests for more time together and I know it feels like a stretch and that you're holding so many things right now. So they're, they're tied together. You don't need to do all of them. But the idea is that we want to really lead with we are teammates, like really signaling to them we are allies, we are teammates in this. You're not a bad person. You are not wrong. Um, I see you. And like, let's, again, we're just, rather than the issue being between us, we want to 
from the get-go position it that we're standing side by side and we're just looking at the challenge together. And we're just going to get creative together about finding, you know, some solution. And then to share, you know, from our hearts. And the more vulnerable we can be, the better. So vulnerability definitely breeds empathy. When Brett and I studied with Gay and Katie Hendricks, who I love so much, um, many years ago, so they talked about the microscopic truths. That's a, a phrase of theirs. But the microscopic truth is kind of like the inarguable truth. And so we want to get to the place where, you know, if we objectively are saying, are judging our partner, or you do that because you're so insensitive, or you just don't even care about me, they're gonna, that's arguable. They'll be like, I do care about you. Whereas we can share like, oh, I'm just feeling sad and lonely and I really miss you. You know, our partner's less likely to say, you don't miss me. You're not sad and lonely. So we want to share, you know, what is like the real essence and the most vulnerable feelings, the fears, like what's really underneath it. And a practice that I love to do, if I think I'm having a feeling, I just do a check. I'm like, huh, is there something even deeper than that? Is there something beneath that even? And to share from that place. And when we speak as much as possible to really come from our hearts, uh, we're going to create so much more coherence and so much more resonance. And we're going to reach their heart, which is what we want to reach. Like we want whatever we have to say, we want to send it right to their hearts so that they really get it. And so you go placing your hand on your heart when you're sharing and sharing what you want to have difference rather than just having this like whole litany of complaints and things that aren't working. Painting the picture of what you really do want can be so much more inspiring, compelling for our partners to want to change because they feel like, oh my gosh, you have this long list of things that aren't working for you. You know, they might feel so discouraged and so defeated and like, all right, I've already failed. I don't even feel like trying. Whereas if, you know, you're kind of acknowledging, you know, this isn't working for me. And what I would love, like moving forward, so what I'd love moving forward, can we just like reserve that Friday you get out of work at four and we just have the rest of the day together. We put our phones, you know, in the cabinet and we're just totally focused on each other. Then our partner might be like, you know, that sounds really great. Or maybe that doesn't work, but how about this? Whereas if we're just telling them, like, you're always on your phone, I'm so tired of it, and you're just going on and on about that, that might not be, again, as effective as like helping them see that what you want is probably very similar to what they want as well. And so those are some, I could keep going, but those are some initial little tips for actually sharing our own hearts and needs and feelings, which are so important to share. That is so, so helpful. Thank you so much for sharing that. And a question that comes up for me personally that I've had to work through a lot, and I know that whatever your answer is going to be is going to be really supportive to listeners too, is that I grew up in a household where I was not allowed to have big overt emotions. And there was a lot of codependency where I had to be so careful and meticulous and calculating with the choice of words that I did use that I actually found that it led in my adult life to a lot of suppression, a lot of holding back, a lot of not freely expressing myself emotionally. And so I'm curious what you can say to that if somebody has an experience where they feel very shut down or that it's unsafe for them to express themselves, how we can start to overcome those hurdles. And yeah, and I guess we'll start there and then I'll ask my other question after. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So if your tendency is to just calculate what you're going to say to the extent that you're not like, oh, I'm kind of upset about this when you're actually raging inside or, you know, minimizing your emotions or just holding them in. Is that kind of what you're saying? Like, it's someone, yes, which is really, really common. So I would say what can be so helpful is to actually get permission can be so liberating. So even asking someone like, is there a time that would work for you for me to share? Like, there are some things on my heart that 
I've been holding back. I haven't really been sharing with you or just can we have a time? And I think that creating a context that really sets the listener up for success where you can really more freely share is so helpful to the conversation. Um, so I would say that's that's a significant thing. I think that's like timing can be really key and making sure both people are in a readily available space emotionally, logistically to really receive it and just asking them like, are you available to really hold space for me right now because there's something that I want to share. We can have like these really big emotions with still not lacing them with blame and criticism. And so I think even letting people know that because sometimes I think we can suppress our emotions because we think that well, if I'm going to bring up my emotions, it has to look like outbursts. It has to look unhealthy. Whereas we can have really big emotions and still express them in a healthy way or we're just owning it. I'm just having all these feelings rather than you are frustrating me. You know, some of the classic stuff, like rather than you are frustrating me, like I am just feeling so much frustration. I'm feeling completely overwhelmed. I feel so much anger around this without, without the judgment and the blame and the criticism. So yeah, I think just having regular check-ins can be really helpful. So some of the couples that we've worked with that have a, a tendency to withhold things, we really encourage them just to kind of ritualize that, you know, maybe once a month or once a quarter, you're really doing a check-in about what's working for you, what's not working for you, what would you love to be different moving forward, like in this next chapter of our lives. And so ritualizing it to make sure that these things really come up, whatever's not working in your relationship is really important. Um, but I would say the context setting. And then also having a a timer. I don't know if this is as much that, but sometimes when couples are like, you know, their partner just needs to vent, venting can be so helpful. Like it is just a release. Like we use it. It's, it's an event that's like releasing and letting the energy just keep moving so we're not bottling up inside, but putting like a container around it. So can I just have the next 15 minutes just to fully express whatever it is that's upsetting right now in even an unconscious way and literally like set the timer so they know there's an end to it. You're not like, okay, here goes our evening. And you're just going to total it out and let them get prepared to really hold, make sure that they're in a place where they can hold that. And maybe you're venting about the relationship or something else. You have like free reign just to like let loose in that moment, I think can be really helpful. No, that's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that. So the second question that I had was actually around fear, because I know that a lot of people have a tendency to freeze in situations like this where there is an uncomfortable conversation taking place or that needs to be had. Or even if there is somebody who knows that they have kind of a patterned freeze response and really struggles, but they want to start to move forward into conversations like this, what is the best place for them to begin? Because I know that one of the phenomenon that happens when we're in a freeze state, especially when there's trauma involved, is that our language centers go offline. So I'm curious if you have any advice for listeners about how to regulate ourselves and mitigate our fear in uncomfortable conversations so that we are actually able to start utilizing all these other amazing tools that you've given us today. Yeah, so happy to share. And this is one that is personal to our relationships. That would be more kind of Brett's, you know, historically, um, where he is very familiar with that, kind of that freeze response in communication and that I would make even worse where I'd ask him a question, that I'd pile more questions on top of it. I'd ask him a question, you wouldn't respond. And then I would fill the in the answer for him. I would become more emotive, you know, when he wasn't responding, which then he would shut down even more. So I know this one well. So I will share from both partners. Uh, so I would say 
because the relationship challenges and relationship solutions are so brilliantly co-created. Um, it's our individual responsibility, of course, and it's also incredible how we can really support one another in healing and transforming these patterns. So if your partner has a pattern of going into kind of more of a, a freeze or faint response and I find it just so helpful that I create like the safest space imaginable for Brett to share uh, so that he like those any part of him that feels scared to come out feels like, oh, I can come out and I'm going to be loved and accepted. So if you're longing for your partner to share more and then they share and you do anything that's shaming or making wrong or just criticizing it or getting defensive, uh, they're going to go right back down to where they were. So really being validating and giving them so much appreciation. And we found that touch is really, really helpful. It's really extraordinary is um, if I'll just even, you know, hold Brett's hand or like rub his back and um, then it just signals to his body like, oh, this is safe. I, there's an affection here. It's like safe. We really are like here is a safe person who's with me in it. Um, so we want to speak you know, the language of the nervous system. So not that wouldn't work for everyone to want to really ask your partner if that's something that would be welcomed in those moments. And then it's just such a practice and even starting exactly where you are. So even when Brad and couples that we've worked with as well, if you can even just share exactly where you are, like, oh, I'm noticing that my body, I feel really tired right now, or I'm noticing that I'm starting to you know, shut down right now, or I'm starting to withdraw, like just naming it as it's happening, rather than trying to name your bigger feelings or how you like your perspective on something, just starting with exactly where you are. So really starting with your body, just to stay engaged, because your partner is probably longing simply for engagement, like they want to know your inner world. And so starting there, letting your partner be with you in it, and then sharing more and more and more. So it's it's oftentimes a training to know that it's okay to start sharing, you know, more of yourself with your partner. And so I find it can be really helpful to do that together. You know, so as your partner's sharing, let there be space to go deep into the well and really bring up whatever's there. So to create an environment where there's a sense of spaciousness, there isn't this time urgency um, where you can go deep within. And yeah, it's the most extraordinary thing I will just share for anybody that has a pattern of, you know, not sharing and really withholding and going into freeze. Like if you can just share what you might even think is unpleasant or scary to share, just the fact that you're staying engaged with your partner and kind of responding to them, it's going to do so much for your relationship. Sharing, I feel scared right now. You don't even need to know what you feel scared of. Like I'm just feeling nervous right now. I feel anxiety right now. Like just sharing whatever is present is such a beautiful practice to be, to honor yourself and stay present with yourself and also for your partner to be like, oh, okay, you are there. I'm with you in this. I want to know. And your partner's going to respond differently knowing like, wow, I'm perceiving you as like not caring right now. And actually you have this whole world that's going on underneath the surface. Yeah, absolutely. I think that brings up one final question for me, which is if we have done all of our due diligence to implement these things that you've shared where we're in a really connected, loving, safe space and we still don't like whatever it is that our partner has shared or what they've shared is just inherently painful. Like I'll use an example, which may be extreme of like, I cheated on you, or I think it may be time for us to transition out of this relationship. Like how can we be with and navigate those conversations that are going to be extremely painful no matter how much we work to take care of it and to take care of each other? 
what is the best way to move through those and then recover, be it individually or together from there? Yeah. So uh, when there's something really big, so if your partner is questioning if they want to be in the relationship or not, like that is such a, that is such a big thing to hear. So of course, have so much compassion and grace for your self and your response. And so many feelings are coming up. And I just think such a powerful practice is letting there be space for both of our experiences. And so it's really easy in those moments we default. So kind of notice where your brain kind of goes in those moments. That tends to be how we respond to so many things in life. And just to like take some breaths and letting them be in that space. It doesn't take, you don't have to join them. You don't have to agree with that, but like there's space for exactly where your heart is and there's space for where their heart is. And just taking a moment to even reflect back. Reflecting is wonderful because it doesn't actually take a whole lot of empathy. So even when we're feeling dysregulated, uh, we don't fully have like the prefrontal cortex fully online. We can actually just reflect back like, oh, it sounds like this relationship really isn't working for you. And that you're really questioning, you know, leaving or or in the affair situation, it sounds like, yeah, you're falling in love with somebody else or that you, you know, if your partner came to you with that, well, I'll take these two separately. So I would say doing just simple reflecting back to them can actually be really calming uh, when we don't know what to say and just letting there be space for that. And I would certainly, you know, recommend getting support if this is communication is an area that has not been a shining quality in your relationship and you're wanting to uncouple in a way that is peaceful and harmonious, certainly to really get some sort of guidance because um, those can be such powerful moments of healing that you can actually go through that even together on some level, um, letting both of you, you know, really be hurt for where you are. Um, And I would say if you found out that your partner had you know, an affair. So if you just found that out, you know, that is going to be one of the most emotionally charged experiences. And so in those in those situations, you know, letting that person be fully heard. And usually if we're working with a couple, when that has occurred, that is the one time that we're allowing the person just to rage or whatever it might be. Because actually one of the most healing things is for the other partner just to hold space for that. So I would, inc- that I think in that situation, my Support would more be to the person that who had the affair. Like this is your moment to actually deeply hear them and validate them. And even though every part of you like wants it just to go away and for them to, you know, can't we just move on? I did that. I made a mistake. I'm sorry. Let's move on. But it's actually in the holding space for the full expanse, the depth and the breadth of all of their messy emotions. You get to show up and they feel like, oh, okay. I get to like feel my feelings to completion and you are holding them with me in it. It's going to end up being so healing and so bonding. Um, So I would say that's like such an important thing is receiving just tons and tons of empathy in the messiness and for someone to be able to be kind of unwound, you know, when they're going through something like that. And that would be if a couple are both kind of willing to work on it together and the one person really wants to receive, to do some repair around the affair that has occurred. Um, And for the person that's bringing it up, I mean, I would say, getting some support where you've been able to process it before bringing it to your partner. So whether it's journaling or your spiritual practice or going to you know, a really, really safe person so that when you come to your partner, you can be really intentional with like, what's the most important part of this for them to hear? So if your partner is not as available to go through a process with you, um, sometimes when we have really, really big emotions, people get very flooded 
And so they miss out on hearing the parts that are most important. And so getting really clear, like, what is it? What is so important to me? And looking at, I think some of the key things to identify is like, what are, are the feelings that we're experiencing? Um, just the pure feelings so frustration, anger, sadness, despair, whatever it might be, our needs. Um, so whenever we have big feelings, it's because there's some need that isn't met. And for us to actually identify what that need is, um, are an unlived dream. So again, as I was mentioning, like, talking about the future, but whenever we're experiencing something that isn't working for us, it's because there's something we really long for that we're not experiencing. So identifying that, identifying like what it is that we're afraid of and identifying if this like reminds us of anything from our past. So doing some kind of inner house cleaning to look at like what are these different threads that we can share those with our partner and they can understand the different layers rather than feel like we're just like attacking or blaming them, um, taking responsibility, you know, for our role in any of it, people are going to be so much more likely to hear us when we do that. So those are some things when there's really big things happening. Does that answer your question? Yes, it completely answers my question. And I think it's going to be really helpful for a lot of people. And just to piggyback off of what you just shared, not in terms of infidelity or having an affair, but in terms of consciously uncoupling, you know, that was what myself and my former partner sought out support with at the Center for Thriving Relationships. And it was really, really helpful to have somebody help both of us learn how to communicate that uncoupling and create an ending to that relationship that was peaceful rather than riddled with unnecessary pain and trauma that comes from not being able to have those conversations in really mutually supportive and respectful ways. So if you're listening out there and that's something you feel like you need some help with, I can't recommend the Center for Thriving Relationships enough. So Christine, if somebody did want to get support from you or you and Brett or one of the other amazing coaches that are there working with you guys, what would you recommend in terms of the best way to reach out? Yes. Well, I utter you so deeply for your incredible commitment to healing and growth and all the amazingness that you share with the world. So we are, so it's the Center for Thriving Relationships. Our main website is centerthrive.com. So center, C-E-N-T-E-R, um, T-H-R-I-V-E.com. And you can learn lots more about our services and programs and online courses and such there. And then we hang out over on Instagram at Center for Thriving Relationships. So warmly welcome you to find us if you're in the podcast world right now. Um, come on over to the Thriving Relationship Show and listen to the episode that Alex, you were magnificent. Um, people are loving that episode so much. So thank you so much, Christine. And everything that you just shared is going to be in the show notes as well. So if you're listening, you'll have really easy access to that. And Christine, I can't thank you enough for being willing to come on here and talk nerdy to me. It's been an absolute joy to have you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so grateful. And thanks everyone for tuning in. If you loved this episode, help us get it into the ears and brains of more listeners like you by sharing it on social media. When you share on Instagram, make sure you tag me at Alex underscore Nashton. Instagram is also the best place to send me your questions about the episode material and make requests for future topics and guests. New episodes of Talk Nerdy to Me drop every single Wednesday. When you hit subscribe, you'll be notified of new releases so you never have to miss one. Last but not least, this podcast baby would not be possible without Adam Russell. 
Adam, I am so grateful to have had your support in creating this podcast. Thank you for always being willing to talk nerdy to me.